Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I'm here with my new friend, Rachel Sherano. Thank you so much, Rachel, for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here. And we're going to dive into yet again another brand new topic, um, specifically regarding helping boudoir clients feel beautiful. And this is a pretty loaded topic. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But as I usually do, I like to have our guests kind of share a little bit about themselves personally. Um, we're going to do that. And and even before we get to that place, the, the favorite thing, or one of the favorite things on the podcast is the aha moment, kind of mm-hmm. one of those experiences that you may have had as a photography business owner that was a transition point in your business, uh, maybe a light bulb moment where you realize, you know what, I need to make a change in my business. What was that moment for you? Yeah, I've had actually quite a few where, you know, you just experience that sudden clarity or a huge shift in perspective that just kind of knocks you backwards a little bit. I think probably the biggest one was my move from family photography to weddings. In 2000, the fall of 2012, I had kind of, I don't want to say a rough year, but I was just burnt out and exhausted, um, creatively drained. And um, I was going through a mentorship at the time, and she kept suggesting that I wanted to pursue weddings full time. I had been doing them kind of in addition, but not to the full extent. And I, when I started, had no interest in doing weddings. And as I listened to her repeat back to me everything I said, I just had this sudden realization that that's what I was meant to be doing. That's when I was lit up. That's what I love doing. I didn't like being gone on the weekends. I still don't. But I love the long hours. And I love all of the emotion. And I love that you can just sit back and watch and take part in that. So I think that was the biggest probably transition that I made. And it was just one of those things that I'm pretty stubborn, so it had to be drilled in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, but it, you seem to have a significantly different experience as a wedding photographer than a family photographer. You spoke to the the raw emotion of the wedding day, and I can absolutely uh, relate to that. I shot weddings for about ten years, and that was probably my favorite thing about the whole experience. Really, I, outside of being led into such an intimate moment in these people's lives. Um, it was one of the most beautiful things to be able to observe. But was that the big difference between your experience as a wedding photographer and a family photographer? Was there something else? Um, it, so it was it was that, but it was also when when a family shows up for a session, they tend to be dressed up, and there's a lot of pressure to look pretty, act nice, etc. And I love to just photograph moments and people as they are. So as it unfolds, as it's there, and I think in a wedding you get so caught up in everything, you have to let your guard down because there's so much going on. You can't pay attention to every little last detail, except for in portraits, which is a little bit different. So I think it was that ability to just sit back and watch and be a part of the fabric of the day. And that's the part that, that just really drove me. Whereas with family photographs, I always felt like I was orchestrating and dealing with tension and (laughs) yes, all sorts of stuff, which just isn't me. I mean, I know people handle it beautifully. I did not. <laughs> well, but you know, this this speaks to the idea of playing on your strengths and certainly what you're most interested in. And 
that realization of what you actually truly enjoyed and, and ultimately what that, of course, enables is you to be that much better a photographer. This is a, a wonderful example of a so-called aha moment. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And I'll just go ahead and mention this, too, for our listeners. If you haven't already, go check out Rachel's website. You can see some examples of her work. And it's just simply Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, Sharano, S-C-H-I-R-A-N-O.com. And you can see some some beautiful wedding photography there. But thanks so much for sharing that aha moment with us. Tell us a little bit about you, though. I know um, we, we chatted briefly before I hit the record button, and you mentioned your kids. You've got four kids and your Italian husband. Tell us a little bit about your family and uh, maybe what you do with, with some of your free time when you have it. Yeah, of course. So my husband and I have been married for 13 years this year. Um, wow, that's awesome. And yeah, we met actually at a wedding. He was the best man and I was the maid of honor. That worked out kind of nicely there. It did. It did. Did you guys get to dance on like the first day that you met? We did. We actually have a picture of the first time we met. No way. Tell, tell me we more do. about that. So we met at a bar shower um, for the couple that was getting married. It was one of my friends and his brother. And so we met at a bar shower for them a couple nights before the wedding. And we happened to walk in about the same time. And the bride's mom said, best man, maid of honor, let's take a picture. And so we have that. It's hanging up in our house. That's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. So how long then did you date before you got married? Um, not very long. <laughs> really? Okay. So like that, that wedding scene really helped kind of escalate uh, the relationship maybe a little bit. It did that. And it was long distance for a while. Okay. Right after we met, he moved to London and he was supposed to be there for two years minimum. And he ended up coming back after six months. He, he couldn't help himself, huh? He couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really cool. So married 13 years. And then you mentioned you have four kids. Is that right? I do. How old are they? So I have a 21-year-old. and She is lovely. She's about to graduate from college. Oh, and how she's exciting. actually my second shooter. So it's it's really fun to work with her for weddings. And and does that, I want to let you continue to talk about your kids, but do you find that difficult or complicated working with your daughter? Or does it actually, do you guys have just a really great chemistry and it works well? How, what does that look like? Um, it works pretty seamlessly. When we first started, there was a little bit of not tension, just back and forth um, in sure. terms of trying to figure out the balance. But she shows up on a wedding day and does her job beautifully. And we go right back to normal mom daughter stuff right after. That's cool. That's really great. All right. So yeah. 21 year old. And then what's the next one? So Then the next um, three are actually the same age. So they're 10. And boys, girls. So it's two girls and a boy. Well, you've got quite quite a handful then. I mean, it it's a whole different experience having a twenty one year old. I'm sure my my oldest is fifteen, and that's been an experience in and of itself. It's been pretty cool though. Um, but then having three ten year olds that's uh, that's a whole different set of challenges, and certainly a whole different stage of life. And that probably makes things interesting again. It does keep things interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Well, um, what what do you like to do with free time? I'm sure a lot of it involves family, but um, and it, running a photography business can be very, very busy. What What do you do when you have free time w on your own or, or with your family? On my own, I'd say I do things like, um, I don't know, get Manny and Manny Petties, relax <laughs> in bed with Netflix, yes. all sorts of crazy things. But I would say the biggest thing that we like to do as a family is travel um, and go on adventures, even if they're just walks around the neighborhood. When the kids were little, we used to go on adventure walks and take buckets and just pick up whatever was interesting. Um but travel is a big one for us. We love to go see the country. We have a goal to visit all of the states before 
the little kids turn 18. Wow, that's really cool. Now, I I can actually speak to a similar experience as a child. I, I went to all but, I think, Alaska and Hawaii um, as a kid before I left home. And I, I feel still feel so lucky that I had the opportunity to do that. But it, it gives your kids such an opportunity for a wide variety of experiences and perspective. And of course they get to, to tell their friends all about it, which is really exciting. Um, <laughs> but I, I love the, the sense of adventure and, and even something as simple as going for a walk with a bucket and, and exploring. I, I love the fact that you're instilling that in your kids, even at this young an age. I think it's really important to recognize that, um, the world's a lot bigger than our backyard. Yes. Um, you know, it's, we're more connected than ever, but it's really easy to get stuck in that, you know, almost like blinders on, get stuck in that thought process that you're limited. It's so true. Um, and it's not at all. So I think having that perspective as you grow up is really important. Oh, that's, that's really great perspective. Speaking of now, how do you, <laughs> are there certain things that, that you do in your business or in your personal life to create some of that free time? I'm, and this is something that I'm consistently curious about how photographers are creating that time for themselves. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I've heard it before and I'll say it. I mean, I'll agree with it. I think scheduling time off is really important. I never work Sundays. It's the one day a week that I just reserve for my family. It's just for us. That's cool. Some days we do something cool and some days we sit around and do nothing. And I think that that's okay. It's just having that time where I don't have to answer emails or edit yeah. photos or be anywhere or schedule sessions. It's really important. And, and I've spoken to this before on the podcast, but I, I think it's great for your kids to have that kind of, it, it creates a sense, a certain sense of stability too, that they know that every Sunday mom's taking a break from work and she's going to hang out with us. And like you said, it doesn't have to be some fancy, you know, date somewhere, adventure that you're traveling or anything, but that you get that time together. Sometimes it's really relaxed. I know that my son in particular, actually my daughter too, for that matter, they, they love the, the idea of just a, a lazy day at home sometimes. Uh, but I also love taking them out. So that's a nice mix. But I, I love that you're prioritizing that. And it's as simple as just putting it in the calendar, making that decision. And kids also kind of give a little bit of extra accountability in that regard too. They do. They're really good at that. One of the other things that I think was really important that I did about five years ago, right around when I switched to weddings full time was I got rid of my laptop and I went to just a desktop. Oh, so I only I like work it. off a desktop. I just recently got a laptop. So we'll see how that goes. But, <laughs> so that I'm only working when I work and I'm at my desk and yeah. my kids are calling me from the other room. I have to really think about ignoring them. <laughs> no, but that's a great way to put it, though. And and you're creating parameters, boundaries, you're limiting yourself. And that forces you to to be more focused and, and not only with your work, but then when you're walking away from work, uh, more focused on your family or, or otherwise. That's a really interesting idea. And it's actually kind of tempting uh, for myself. I, I like the flexibility and the freedom of being able to kind of work from anywhere. But then it also brings with it pretty heavy responsibility, the same way that having a phone does these days and that you can do so much of your work from your phone. It's always so easily accessible. But I love that you created that boundary. That's a really great idea. Now, speaking of photography and photography business, how long have you been in business and how did you get started in the first place? I've been in business since 2009. Okay. Um, and 2013 was my first year full-time weddings. So 2017, um, we'll have, when it concludes, will have been my fifth year full-time weddings. Strangely enough, when I was pregnant with the 10-year-old, I was on bed rest for quite a long time. And I was in the hospital for eight of those weeks. And after you lay in bed for that long and you can only get up to go to the bathroom and shower once a day, you get a little tired of TV and books. And I did a lot of soul searching and thinking and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So when we they came home from the hospital, 
Um, and we got settled about six weeks later, I found I was bored. And I had been keeping up with a blog at the time just to inform people about what was going on with the kids. Because yeah, I, was, I have to, I'm, I'm processing this yeah. as, as you're talking, but I have to interrupt you for a second. You said you're bored. You've got triplets. How in the <laughs> world were you bored? <laughs> uh, mentally. Okay. Okay. That mentally makes sense. Bored. I'm, I'm a hard worker. I love to work. I've been working since I was young. So I, I wasn't doing anything. I had been working for my dad at the time and I was on leave um, because it's just the stress wasn't good. It was a sales position and I loved it. It just, it, it wasn't something I was able to do at the time. Sure. And so I, I just, after eight weeks in the hospital and then their time in the hospital, they were in the hospital for six weeks. I was ready to, to study something, to do something, that to makes pursue sense. something. And, and when you say soul searching too, this is something that I haven't heard a lot of photographers speak about on the podcast. What did that look like for you? Was it, was it simple meditation? Did you have this process that you'd go through of, of introspection? What did that look like? You know what? It probably was a form of meditation. I didn't meditate at the time. So it was a little different. There were just days where it was really hard to get through the day. It's that 24 hours is a long period of time when you have nothing to do. Oh yeah. Um, and I would play a little game with myself where, you know, it'd be like, if I can get through the next five seconds, everything will be okay. If I can get through the next 20 seconds, everything will be okay. If I can get through the next minute, everything will be okay. And, you know, it was a really emotionally charged time because we were worried about the babies being born early and are they going to have issues and et cetera, et cetera. And that doesn't bode well for pregnancy. So (laughs) you have to learn how to calm down. And so there were some days where it, I, I would literally look at the clock and think if I can get through the next five seconds, everything will be okay. And then I would just extend it. Um, and so it taught me patience. I did not have very much patience before that. And it also, it also taught me to listen to what I needed. Um, it was really hard for me to slow down and do nothing. So yeah. it taught me how to listen to what my body needed when I needed to go up to get, to, get up to go to the bathroom and sleep. And when I needed something a little more stimulating, that makes sense. And, and it reminds me of the idea uh, or, or the word really uh, present or presence, you know, and it's, it's, it's a word that's thrown a lot these days, thrown around a lot these days where, you know, we're talking about being present and being here in the moment, but it is very difficult to do that uh, mm-hmm. at times anyway, as business owners and people who like to be on the go, as you described, um, and, and there's always something else to do and, and wonderful opportunities. And then, of course, having kids and family and, and so forth. There's just so much. And it, it is it really can be difficult just to be present. And I still remember, and I don't remember if I've talked about this in the podcast before, but uh, my good friend, Nicole Goddard, who, who's been on the podcast before, um, she she introduced me to the idea of, of meditation and at just a very basic level initially made some recommendations. And so I, I went to, to give it a shot one night. And and that was the, the first mistake, at least in this particular case, because I sat down to meditate right before I went to bed, thinking it was going to help calm my mind and uh, I'd be able to relax a little bit better and sleep better that <laughs> night. And so I sat down and the thing that one of the things that I had talked with her about was the idea of focusing on my breath. And so that's what I did. And and what that translated to then was me breathing more heavily or more deeply and as a result, getting this physical, bu- I mean, literal physical buzz and a high, which then let me, left me m- even more awake and, and energized. Uh, and in- instead of going to bed sooner or falling asleep sooner, I actually ended up staying up later. But I, I say that all as an example, yet another example of how 
it can make such a big difference to learn to be present in the moment. And, and that could be certainly with your thoughts, but it could be with something as simple as taking a, a deep breath. It's amazing how little oxygen we actually function on sometimes. And you sit down and start to breathe deeply and pay a little bit of attention to, to, to your body and taking care of your body. It makes all the difference in the world. So that's, that's a really interesting point that you make there. Now, I, I kind of interrupted you earlier. You were talking about that transition then from the hospital to being at home and you started to feel bored. Take, take us from there. Yeah, I just mentally, I needed some stimulation. And I had a blog at the time where I was keeping people up to date with the kids. And so it was one of those. I loved writing and I loved taking photos. And it was one of those situations where I just picked one. Um, Photography seemed easier at the time with babies. Um, I had writing and willing subjects. (laughs) Couldn't get away at the time. And I just started learning about a camera. And what I what I did is I started on a point and shoot and then moved up to just an entry level DSLR. And my whole entire focus was once I learn how to max out what I can do with this camera, I can move up to the next one. So it was just a matter of studying composition and framing and then obviously the technical aspect as well. And then from there, it was kind of a natural fall into business. My dad's a small business owner. It honestly did not occur to me that it scared people to start a business until I was five years in. Um, Lucky you though. I love that. That's cool. (laughs) I was more scared about the creative side. I was told I was not artistic when I was younger by a really terrible art teacher. Oh, And I I mean, to be fair, I can't draw to save my life, but creativity and I think artistic ability are found in lots of different areas and lots of different ways. And and now you're saying to her, look at me now, right? (laughs) I am. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so you started with the point and shoot, you picked up the DSLR, you're, you're learning rules of composition and kind of the basics of photography. And then what did it look like to pick up that first client? It was a pretty natural um, pickup. I think every time that I've branched out into something new, it's been because somebody asked if I would be willing to, and it's just being open to opportunity and what comes next. And so I had Um, a friend who asked if I would take pictures of her kids because I had been taking pictures of mine. Then I said yes, and it just kind of progressed from there. And then as soon as I realized that I like something, then I go after it hardcore and pursue it and set goals and (laughs) market it like crazy. That's really, Um, no, that that totally makes sense. And I... It reminds me of that, um, I forget the exact phrase, but it's, it's the, the, the quote, luck is the, the ability to be able to capitalize on an opportunity and, and be ready for that opportunity or something like that. I know I totally demolished that quote just now, <laughs> but, but it's, it's the idea of being, first of all, ready for an opportunity to come up. And then when you see that opportunity, you go for it. And I, I, yeah, and I think that's a really great reminder for all of us, certainly for myself, you know, that the idea that we're going to get lucky, I mean, that's, that's such a kind of arbitrary idea. But if we're constantly preparing and, and learning and growing and then looking for opportunities to capitalize on, um, I think we're going to have a really wonderful uh, potentially have a really wonderful career as, as an entrepreneur, certainly, and more specifically as a photographer. And you, you've kind of proven that. I think that's really, really neat. And so I'm sorry, I continue to run, interrupt your story, but take us to that first client. You're good. You're good. So I think that just the first couple of clients were just, they were families, they were kids. Um, I was just finding my niche, finding my why. And I was very, very stuck on families for a very long time. Um, I still I still love families, um, but my 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 big overarching why is family. I do everything that I do for my family. My husband and my kids are my life, um, aside from my business and myself. But <laughs> they that's that's what my why is. My why is so that we have the ability to travel and be together and enjoy life. And that's so cool. 
So it took me a really long time to transition that to weddings. And it was actually my mentor who helped me do that by saying a wedding is the start of a family. Um, it's the continuation of the families that you came from in starting your own. And it was once I realized that I didn't have to phrase it or frame it just as a love story and a wedding, that it was actually an incredibly big moment beyond that. Um, it had to do with family. It was really easy to transition. So you made this transition then from portrait photography to, to wedding or family portrait photography to wedding photography. And then you began to offer boudoir <laughs> photography, which kind of is where we, where we land today for our, our primary <laughs> focus, this topic of boudoir photography and ultimately helping a boudoir client feel more beautiful. But how did you land on boudoir photography? Interestingly enough, it was right around the time I transitioned to weddings. I had, as I mentioned earlier, I'd been feeling creatively drained. I was burnt out and I picked up a personal project and I started working with women. I was kind of obsessed with this idea that every time we go out into the world, we put on a mask, we put on makeup, we take on a persona, we put yeah. on clothing, we present ourselves in a certain way, the way we want to be seen. Um, and I was really just obsessed with the whole idea of photographing people as they are just when you're at home and you're at your most comfortable and you're letting your guard down, um, you know, when you come home and you take off your makeup and you put on your pajamas and your hair gets let down or put Absolutely. up, whichever you prefer. Yeah. Mine tends and, to kind of stay up regardless. It's, it's a little <laughs> bit crazy, but yeah, no, I get it. And so I would photograph women going through that process of undoing at the end of the day, in the middle of the day, they would take off their makeup, get into comfortable clothes. And strangely enough, now that I look back on that and, hindsight, it was actually um, interesting to watch that women were less comfortable doing that than I've experienced in boudoir, um, even though they're very nervous and it's kind of um, an uncomfortable experience to have boudoir taken for the first time. Um, people were more uncomfortable with that project. It took longer to get people into a comfortable place. Huh. And, and I think it's just because we're so used to being seen in a particular way. And this was me seeing the person that they only share with, you know, with those that they're closest with. And in some cases, the women didn't know me, but in other cases, they were wedding clients. And I think it was just through the comfort level that they experienced with that. I had a couple of clients asked if I had ever considered boudoir. And again, there's that opportunity just right there. I said, no, but let's try it. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know what? And I've just the, the the quote just popped into mind. It's opportunity meets preparation. That's that's the the, the more concise <laughs> and exact quote. That and and uh, again, a wonderful example of that. Yeah. So please please continue. So it was a natural progression. I didn't pursue it heavily at first. It was just a lot of trial and error, figuring out what worked. In January of this past year, I opened a boudoir studio, and I only shoot in there. I don't meet with clients in there yet. Um, I do hope to open up kind of a bigger space at some point, but um, I really just, I found what I, the reason I started the personal project was it was about empowering women and telling people's stories and making people feel comfortable being in front of the camera as their authentic selves. And I found that boudoir does that in a way I didn't expect. I kind of had, I won't lie, I kind of had a negative impression of it before I started photographing it. What was the uh, negative impression? I just didn't fully understand that it was more about empowering women than it was about presenting your partner with sexy photos of yourself. It almost felt like a 
you're objectifying yourself. Not, I, d- I don't want to put it out there in that sense, but just a little bit, you know, sure, sure. That- just an objectification of women. Well, and, and I think there's an interesting contrast that you made too here in, in the style of photography. And maybe once we get into what a, a session actually looks like, you can you can break this down in a little bit more detail. But you differentiated between just regular boudoir photography and the comfort level there, which is already, as you said, it can already be an uncomfortable situation or at least a, a, a slightly um, disconcerting situation for somebody being photographed in their underwear or less. Uh, but what you're talking about specifically is not just that, because even in that scenario, you can kind of put on a mask and you can put on a show and you can look a particular way and the images can be touched up. You're talking about something that goes further than that, that is more raw. Is that right? Very, very much so. And I guess maybe to give us an example of what that would look like, can you take us through a session? What, what does a session look like kind of from start to finish? Of course. From the very beginning, I've always tried to tailor everything I do specifically to who I'm working with and no matter what level of photography I've done um, and who I've been photographing. But I think with boudoir in particular, it's really important to set up the impression that it is, yes, at the end of this, you will have a gift to give your partner and it will be beautiful or, but it's really a gift to yourself. And so I include hair and makeup. Um, It's not optional. You will have it done. (laughs) It's a complete experience Um, that includes the hair and makeup. I, I like that. It makes you feel good about yourself. It makes you feel it's just nice to be pampered. Um, and the hair and makeup artist I work with is she has a very natural hand. So even though you're done up, you don't look like a completely airbrushed painted version of yourself. It's just it's you just with a little bit of extra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and, and you know, I totally get the idea. You were talking about this idea of being pampered. And I, I mean, I don't normally have my makeup done or even my hair done for that matter. But I remember even something as simple as it, there was a, a stylist that I used to go to to get my hair cut in a salon. And when it came time to actually wash my hair before she'd give me a haircut, she she managed to turn this this process of washing my hair into a total pamper session. Like I, I felt <laughs> the most relaxed and incredible after her just washing my hair um, it, it felt amazing, but you truly felt taken care of. So I get that idea of not only through the photography feeling more beautiful, but even just in having somebody there to take care of your hair and your makeup, you feel better. Um, it, it becomes this complete experience. As I said earlier, I think that's really great. Yeah, it is. And the the girl that I work with is she, I'm not kidding, makes people feel incredible. That's awesome. So they walk into my studio and their hair and makeup are done and they're already comfortable and relaxed and ready to go. Still nervous sometimes. <laughs> I had a client the other day who had to take a shot of fireball before she came in. <laughs> <laughs> of all things, fireball. That's funny. That's hilarious. All right. So they get their hair and their makeup done and then they come to you. They're going to be photographed. What happens next? Yeah. So I always have champagne on hand. Um, occasionally I'll burn candles, always play music. Most of the time they will bring, I suggest they bring along a whole bunch of things. That's probably the biggest question I get is what on earth do I wear for this? And I think it's incredibly important to wear something that you feel comfortable in, something that feels like you, something that you feel sexy in, not that you think you should wear to look sexy. And I think that that's that's probably the biggest. And so we'll go through the clothing in their bag and I just watch for body language and cues and words and facial expressions to figure out what they like best. And we'll usually pick out, usually it's three outfits. Um, And at that point, we'll talk about if they feel comfortable doing something just in the sheets or if they want to just go with an illusion of that, or if they had something particular in mind. And then, you know, I run them through the basic breakdown of (laughs) 
I usually talk a lot and direct a lot through a session. Occasionally I'll get really quiet. I always remind them that if I do, they're not doing anything wrong. It's usually just <laughs> I'm lost in my work zone. Head. Yeah. Well, at least you're creating that expectation too, though, because, and this is something that I've talked about on the podcast before, but it's, it's the weirdest thing. Um, when you go to a, a shooting workshop or a photography workshop and photographers begin to shoot models, and you have this group of photographers and they just start shooting and there's literally no communication. <laughs> and if you've got a, a model on hand, you know, that's one thing they, they can at least figure out the gist of what they're supposed to be doing. But when you're not working with a model and you're not communicating, talk about creating some uncomfortable, well, silence, but ultimately a scenario for this person in which because they're not feeling as comfortable, they're likely not going to be photographed as well. So you're, you're not only talking, but then creating, at least creating that expectation ahead of time that, Hey, occasionally I get quiet. You're totally good. I'm just shooting. <laughs> I'm in the moment. I'm enjoying it. In fact, if I'm quiet, you're doing really, really well. That, that, that kind of thing, that kind of conversation is really important. It is. And it helps a lot set the tone for, and I know that this has happened to me before where I've been in a session with a photographer and they get really quiet and all I can think is, what am I doing what wrong? What am I doing wrong? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't want my clients to think that. I want I want the awkward. Bring me the awkward because you're probably being you when you feel awkward. Yeah. And it will inevitably lead to some genuine laughter or um, just one of those moments where you let down your guard and just relax for a minute. That's really cool. So how long does a session then last, would you say? From start to finish, so hair and makeup takes about an hour, and then the photographs take about an hour. Um, and we're not shooting the entire time because we have some outfit changes, and there's always discussion and whatnot. I, I ask a lot of questions. I think it's really important to pay really close attention to just kind of the feedback they're giving you, body language as they're trying to hide things, and then just doing a lot of positive talk and compliments. I think it's really important that. I kind of keep a steady stream of conversation going so that they're able to relax. It's so true. Yeah, that's such a great reminder. And and again, for especially for those clients who aren't used to being in front of the camera, having that encouragement and the affirmation and and the, the occasional you know cracking of a joke to get them smiling or laughing, uh, maybe a <laughs> shot of fireball. These kinds of things are all <laughs> all helpful. Now, a little bit earlier, you touched on the idea of of helping. Uh, bring out that authenticity in your client. And I actually want to pull up a quote um, from an email that you sent us prior to the conversation today for the podcast. You said you want every boudoir client to feel beautiful, but not because we've carefully tucked away and hidden what is perceived as a flaw, because we've celebrated who they are as women, creating a space that brings forth their authentic power and grace. Can you explain this maybe in just a little bit more detail and and maybe tie into that some examples of how you help these boudoir clients feel this way? Yeah, of course. Um, I can try. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So I read, I recently read a quote in a book and I, I don't think, I think it was a fiction book. I can't remember, but this quote just struck a chord with me because it was about being photographed as or photographing somebody as I see them as a photographer, not as they wish to be seen. So it has more to do with finding that inherent beauty that's there. I think everyone's beautiful. I'm a crazy people's watcher. I watch people everywhere. I border on creepy because I just love facial expression <laughs> and movement and Absolutely. relationship. <laughs> then you're probably oh. going to be just like me. You love airports. I do. I do. Isn't that just the airports, best? restaurants, coffee shops? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Like I'll I'll get to an airport. One of my favorites is Dallas Fort Worth because it's just so big, 
And, you know, after sitting in a plane for a while, I I like to move around and and burn some calories. So I'll walk the airport from terminal to terminal, even purposefully avoiding the the, uh, walkways, the moving walkways, just because I'm that much of a dork. But in the (laughs) process of, of going through the airport, you get to watch all of these people. And, you know, from different cultures and, and different personalities and even just their eyes can say so much as you walk them, watch them walk past. Um, I think it's fascinating. But it, it, if you learn to learn how to watch people and look for those cues that you were talking about, I think it really translates to making you a better photographer. It, it allows you to have that intuition. It allows you to, to kind of play off of how the client is feeling at that point and, and help them through that photographic session. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, it's my job to bring out the best in them. So it's my job to pose and direct in a way that makes them look as beautiful as the rest of the world sees them. Yeah. But I also think it's important, you know, if a woman has stretch marks, I mean, that's a celebration of having carried and delivered babies usually, or a celebration of growth. And if, you know, some people are really self-conscious about their freckles, but I love freckles. It's those things that make you incredibly beautiful or the things that make you different. So I just photographed a woman with the most striking red hair. It was, she, it was gorgeous. It was insane. <laughs> I just love, I love people. And so if someone is really sassy and has that kind of persona, I want to bring that out in them. If they're quiet and studious, I want to bring that out. I want to bring out whatever's there. And so I think that it's really important to watch and see when they're comfortable and when they're uncomfortable, what their hands are doing, what their facial expression is doing. Um, I don't do a lot of, okay, smile now. Sometimes I'll ask for a bigger, smaller smile or just kind of a softer face, but I want it to just be natural. I want it to be a reaction to what we're talking about, a reaction to what I've asked them um, because I ask questions in very specific ways so that it can bring out certain emotions. Oh, that's interesting. Can you give us an example of a question that you might ask? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Um, So a lot of times with women who are married, we'll talk about their honeymoon or their first date or the first time they said, I love you or something along those lines so that they're thinking of their partner. And that enables them to think a little bit about um, their relationship. And I asked a lot of times, one of my favorite ones is to talk about, you know, how when your partner looks at you and you feel you just melt, you feel all gooey inside, you're like, pretty much do anything for them in that moment. Yeah. I like to get them in a place where they can think about that feeling. Because when your partner looks at you and you feel that you feel just invincible, you feel beautiful and wonderful and invincible. And so if I can encourage that to come out in my clients, it really translates in photographs. I can imagine. And are you ready at that point when you ask a question like that to, to snap the, the picture right then? I try to be. That's a really hard balance <laughs> to strike because in order to engage in that meaningful conversation, I have to maintain eye contact. And if my camera's in my face, I can't do that. So it's a matter of timing when I put the camera up or setting it up in advance so that I can you know, either do live view or kind of what I do on the dance floor is just grab focus with it at my hip. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's, but there, there is the, one of the advantages to the technology, especially these days with, with the, the mirrorless cameras and um, the ability to be able to pull the screen out and use live view, as you were saying, that means you don't have to have your eye behind the camera. And it, all you have to do is just kind of glance down and know that the, the subject is framed and in focus. And of course we got wonderful track focus tracking that, that does that job for us then you can actually engage with the client and ask those questions. I, I think that's a really great uh, re- great idea, great suggestion, great example for our listeners. 
Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it is important because when they're engaging with me, they're making eye contact that isn't straight through the camera. It's, or it isn't just like dead into the camera. It's straight through the camera. It's to whatever's behind the camera um, because then it's me. They're making eye contact with me. It's not empty. It's not exactly look here and smile. It's death. It's, it's true engagement and it's true um, connection. Yeah. And, and if for some reason in that process, you happen to be handholding the camera and the, the camera is slightly tilted as a result of the fact that you don't have your eye directly behind that viewfinder, but, but you get the engagement, the emotional engagement that the trade-off is going to be more than worth it. And you get that it can always be straightened or cropped later on. So I, I think that's a really great example. I love this, this focus too on intuition. And, you know, it takes, mm-hmm. as we talked about just a few minutes ago, it takes an effort up front outside of working with a client in a studio or otherwise to learn how to read people, how to be more intuitive, um, how to read various visual cues, physical or audible cues for that matter, the way that they're talking, the tone of their voice, et cetera. But I, I love the focus on that. And I think there are certainly a lot of photographers who are good at that, but I think we could all stand to pay a little bit more attention to developing that that skill set of learning how to read your client and playing off that. I think that's really, really important. I love the simple suggestion that you compliment your client. It's amazing. I, it's something I enjoy doing, even, even just going to the grocery store and um, you know, going through checkout and engaging with a, a clerk there and complimenting them on their shirt or their hair or I love your glasses. That's something that I speak speak to a good bit, actually, because I, I worked in the optics industry uh, before getting into <laughs> photography full time. And so I noticed glasses and really cool frames. I'll, I'll speak to that. And it's, it's so fun to see a person's response, you know, client or otherwise. Um, who isn't expecting a compliment, but they feel seen, they feel noticed, you, they notice something that is likely important to them, you know, the way they fixed their hair that day, or that, that pair of glasses that they picked out, or the shirt, or the top, or the dress, or whatever it is that, that, that they're wearing. They love to be noticed that way, and it's actually, sadly, not the norm for somebody to point those things out. You mentioned your client's red hair. I mean, I can imagine, I'm picturing what that looks like now, and and I can imagine how you were probably just raving, and it makes makes that client feel really, really great. So I think that's a really important um, uh, suggestion or a piece of advice as well. And then another point that you made um, was, was the importance of asking questions. We talked about engaging. Um, but more specifically, asking the right questions that kind of bring out that emotional engagement. And um, I, I think that's a really great suggestion as well. And you kind of you can kind of experiment with that. I, as you were describing it, I was picturing um, asking them something similar, but with their eyes closed. I mean, imagine this beautiful boudoir portrait of somebody sitting there with some window light or otherwise, and, and they've got their eyes closed. And you start to ask them with their eyes closed to, to think about um, their partner and what their partner makes them feel like or the first time that they they kissed or the first time that you know they they said i love you or otherwise and and the kind of expression that you'd see that grin kind of spread across their face and their eyes even though they've got their eyes closed their eyes are starting to smile as well and you've got a beautiful portrait right there just because you asked the right question you made the right comment i i think these are really really great suggestions anything else to add to the mix yeah i do that a lot actually i'll ask people when they're feeling uncomfortable to close their eyes because it takes them out of the moment for just a minute oh yeah and brings and them into a new one absolutely one and, and i think about uh, you know some some clients look extremely beautiful even just with their eyes closed and even peaceful too it lets them just kind of take a deep breath and be in the moment as we were talking about and and it's such a beautiful portrait in and of itself so that's a great idea it is it's also kind of um vulnerable to close your eyes that's a great point too. not know what's happening. So I think that that brings out a different thing. I think, you know, I mean, the only other things that I, I, 
I try to do is just create a space that feels comfortable and safe so that um, women can be themselves without the fear of being judged. So, and if they, if I can create a space that's like that, then they automatically open up in front of the camera. I mean, there's a lot of trust in that and that has to be built on the back end. It's through conversation and emails, right. questionnaires I send them. And then I think trust is probably the most important thing um, in terms of getting that authenticity in a photo. Well, and I think that trust is ultimately developed, as you said, through conversation. And that conversation is more effective when you learn to be intuitive, to, to read their cues, to know how to play off of them or play opposite of them, how to make them feel comfortable as a result of, of the, the both the visual cues and the audible cues um, mm-hmm. that they're giving. And so I think this is a really great kind of a great way to, to, to close this conversation out. Um, and, and I'd love for our listeners to be able to see more of your work. Uh, also to be able to, not not just your wedding work, but do you have a separate site for your boudoir work as well? I do. It's um, slightly under construction at the moment, okay. but it, it's, it exists. There just aren't a ton of photos on it. But I do have, I have my wedding work um, website, Instagram and Facebook. And then I also have my boudoir work. I just split them out. So, okay. That's really cool. So rachelsherano.com was, was yeah. your wedding website. And what about your boudoir site? Boudoir.rachelsherano.com. Perfect. Perfect. And then Instagram is just Instagram.com slash Rachel Serrano. Yeah. Um, it stumbled on my words there. <laughs> and, um, so you guys make sure you go there and again, it's R A C H A E L S C H I R A N O. And um, Rachel, this has been really, really great. This has been a fun conversation for me. I've certainly learned, um, and I'm excited to be able to share this with our listeners. I know that they'll be encouraged and inspired as well. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.